The Boston Celtics get Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. Okay. Is Danny Ainge singing the same old song? I'll let you hear from him directly here on a Thursday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Rainy J's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, John Corrales here from MassLive.com. I'm their Boston Celtics beat reporter coming to you after the 2020 NBA draft, which finally happened on November 18th. Thank you, 2020. I want to welcome all of you who are regular listeners. Appreciate you sticking around and continuing to download the show on a daily basis. It is a Monday through Friday podcast. You new listeners... That's what we do here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast, Monday through Friday podcast, so please subscribe if you have not. I'm going to just get right into it. Here's the show. Segment one, about the draft picks. I'm going to tell you who we picked, what I liked, what I didn't like. Segment two, I know you're wondering if Danny Ainge is just like a broken record at this point. I'm going to talk about the, oh, we tried to make a deal thing. That's in segment two. I'm going to save segment three for you to hear directly from Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens. I'll I'll play everything they had to say in the third segment so you can hear from them directly. And then tomorrow, Friday, we'll digest it. We'll hear more. We'll see what happens with Gordon Hayward. And then we'll talk more about it tomorrow as well and get the Gordon Hayward stuff. So right away, I liked the pick. I liked Neesmith. I thought... Him falling to the Boston Celtics was pretty good. Neesmith at the 14th pick, he's a 6'6 guy with a 6'10 wingspan, and he could shoot the crap out of the ball. So you got a guy, yes, he broke his foot in his sophomore year in Vanderbilt. He played 14 games, but he shot 50%, 55-0% from three. He had a true shooting percentage of 68.5%, which is just ridiculous. The kid can shoot the ball and the Boston Celtics needed shooters. So as this draft unfolded and we saw some of the interesting selections happening in the earlier part of the draft, things started to shake out. We started to see guys like Sadiq Bay start to fall. We started to see some other guys, Devin Vassell. Uh, no, not Devin Vassell. I'm sorry. Uh, Desmond Bain start to fall. We saw guys that the Celtics were looking at and thinking about maybe getting, and Neesmith was in that mix. And as it started to unfold, I'm sitting here talking to people at work at Mass Live saying like, huh, you'd think that the Celtics were about to make a trade. You'd think this is a great opportunity to trade up. Trade up to get this guy, trade up to get that guy. But then as things started to shake out, you say, well, there are probably two or three guys that are interesting and good fits for the Celtics at 14 Maybe you don't need to trade up. And I don't think it's a bad thing to get Neesmith in the first round at 14. This is one of those things that we talked about, a path for the Boston Celtics. 
and I'm going to talk more about this in the second segment. I know maybe some of you were kind of hyped up about all of the trade rumors that the Celtics were looking to trade up and all of that, but they didn't. And I think getting Neesmith at 14, getting him that 14th salary slot, I don't know what that is off the top of my head, but it's lower than what you would have paid to get up into the top part of the draft. And you get a guy that's a plug-and-play guy. He can come in right away. At 6'6", he's got good height. 6'10", wingspan, he's got good length. He can get that shot up over the hands of closeouts. He can just be a spot-up guy. You go into a game where he's patrolling the corner there, or he's posted up in the corner there, and you have to pay attention to him right away. You have to pay attention to him because you know he can shoot the hell out of the ball. So if we're looking for immediate impact guys, I think Neesmith at 14 is a pretty good get. We think about roster construction here. We don't know what's going to happen with Gordon Hayward, but you would assume that if Gordon Hayward is traded, that you're going to get somebody back that's going to be able to contribute. Whether it's a starting level player or a bench player, he's either going to be able to contribute in either as a starter or off the bench. Or maybe you just keep Gordon Hayward. Maybe he just opts in. You can't trade him. You keep him. Say, all right, well, that it's it's not going to be great to lose him for nothing next year. Maybe next summer he can be part of a sign-in trade. That That's a whole different thing. But however the Celtics are constructed, with or without Gordon Hayward, either Hayward is on the team and you've got Marcus Smart on the bench and Neesmith as a shooter off the bench is going to be helpful, or you get maybe Marcus Smart becomes a starter and whoever you get for Gordon Hayward fills in a gap next to Neesmith. And he is still a productive guy off the bench. And like I said, at 6'6", with that long, with those long arms, he can fit into the Celtics' defensive scheme. He's got to learn a lot for sure. It sucks that he does not have the benefit of a uh, a summer league and you know homework to take with him after summer league to go and work on some things and a full training camp to like come in and, and work on all of this stuff. Yeah, of course, that would be better. But you can teach him little bits along the way. He has shown some propensity to be a, a decent defender in college. He's shown that he, it's not like you, you, you know that when he's coming in that he has the potential, that you're not going to have to like hide him, hopefully, that he, he can get into some of these defensive schemes. With those long arms, with that height, he can be switchable. It fits. So I, I think the Celtics got a decent player here, and if he, if he does really blossom as a defender, now you've got something. Now you've got a guy who, who who's a real legitimate 3 and D guy. And then we'll see how he develops offensively. I know he's not a tremendous athlete, so he's not going to be, you know, maybe he's not going to be a perennial all-star, but at the 14th pick, a, a useful rotation player, that's going to be great. And if he can, if his shooting can get him on the floor pretty quickly, even better. Now at 26, this one was a, a little bit of a head-scratcher. But Peyton Pritchard at 26 was a bit of a shock because I was expecting the Celtics to go maybe in a different direction. This Desmond Bain was available. Um, 
who else? There, there were a couple of guys that were available at that spot that projected out to be better or at least higher, at least in some of these mock drafts. But as Danny Ainge said, he does not pay attention to the mock drafts. He does not care about the mock drafts. And that's obviously no GM should care about the mock drafts. No executive should be following, oh, I wonder what the ringer said. Oh, I wonder what Bleacher Report said. No. They have their own thing. And so, okay, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. He's a shooter, another shooter, and the Celtics need shooters. And at the 26th pick, you know, that that's a crapshoot down there. It is a crapshoot. How many 26 picks? It's it's not the turnaround on a 26 pick. The the success rate of a 26 pick is not necessarily uh, fantastic. But I mean, here he is. He's smaller, but he scored 20, 20 and a half points as a a senior. He's a four year player. Uh, shot 41 and a half percent from three. He's a good shooter. 82 percent from the line. Average five and a half assists. I mean. He's, he was an All-American. So, I mean, it's not, it's not horrible. I don't understand it. I think there are better players available. But the Celtics have their own evaluation system. And so, there he is. And we're going to see how it works out. We're going to see if what Danny Ainge says, and you'll hear him talk about Pritchard later on, that he, he just likes his, his game. We'll see. Um... That one is kind of a eh. And then they traded away the 30th pick for future considerations. Still not 100% clear exactly what they get back, but they traded out of this draft. Basically, they traded out of this draft into one of the future drafts, kicked the can down the road. In that situation, best you can do. Yam Madar at the, in the second round is a draft and stash. Uh, plays in, in, uh, in Israel. He's a young kid. He's 19 years old. He's He looks like a 19-year-old, but he's got some promise. I, I can't say that I know too much about him, but look, second-round pick, 47th overall pick, a draft and stash. You see if he can develop into something. He might be a guy that just you're constantly trading his, his draft rights over and over and over again. Those guys exist all over the place, but he's he has some hype behind him. And we'll see what he turns into. But I'm not too worried about Yamadar right now. Uh, basically, I'm looking at Neesmith as the prize, Pritchard as a kind of a swing, and then Madar as, I don't know, shrug. So my overall grade on this for this draft, I don't know, somewhere around, you know, B, B minus, somewhere in that range. Uh, I think they got, they got a pretty decent player at 14, and that, that could be enough. That that could be enough. Uh, and we'll see what the rest turns out to be. B minus, I think, is is fair. Maybe you want to say C plus. Uh, it's certainly not an A, but it's I don't think it's that bad. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out as as things progress. But right now, I'm kind of going B minus on the Celtics draft grade. All right. Let's figure out this. Danny Ainge stuff about not being, um, you know, nothing materializing because I know a lot of you think that's that's the same old song and dance from Danny Ainge. That is going to be next. It's 
two past 2 a.m. as I'm recording this. You know that right now I'm running on pure adrenaline and tomorrow I'm going to be tired, which means there is going to be a wall in front of me probably every couple of hours. That's why I am going to reach for a Built Go. It's an energy gel that's going to help me break through both a mental and a physical wall tomorrow. It can help you do the same thing no matter what it is. Are you kind of logy at your desk? Are you trying to get to the gym? I'm going to be both for sure. And these little packages, 1.5 ounces of energy gel is going to help me get through it. It's like a five-hour energy without that same crash. It comes in three great flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. The energy gel combines with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. I'm going to need it to get into my system fast, and it's going to be easy on my stomach. I know that that's going to be very helpful. It's loaded with good stuff. Beta alanine, B3, honey, a kick of caffeine, B6, and B12 vitamins. This is all going to help me ignite my work and my workout and it's going to keep me going throughout the day. Plus, as an added bonus, the collagen promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health, so it can help me look better too. I mean, do I really need to look better? Look at me. I'm beautiful. I'm also delirious, but I know that you should be going to BuiltGo.com. I know that for sure. And you should be using promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. Danny Ainge says, There was a lot of trade discussion before the draft, so I think we anticipated there would be more during the draft. There was a lot of discussion, but not anything that was really tempting for us in the first part of the draft. It was not as eventful as we thought, but we did have some discussions about moving up and then about moving back. So. I'll let you hear Danny Ainge say that with the proper inflection and context. So that's going to be in the next segment. I do really like giving you guys those those bits of what they said directly so you can hear exactly how he said it and the context in which he said it. That's important. But that's his quote. And I knew when I was writing about this that, in fact, Tom, Tom Westerholm and I, who Tom Westerholm does the uh, is is on the Celtics beat with me at Mass Live? We're splitting things up, and I literally told him I'll take the Danny Ainge nothing materialized story so it could be angrily shared by all of the uh, his his haters in in among Celtics fans because I knew that was going to happen. And yeah, it's Danny Ainge says it, and he's not lying. He, I think he really actually is doing his job. And this is this is where the the dichotomy comes in between him actually doing his job and, and the perception of of what he's accomplishing by the fans. And it's easy to make the joke that oh, it's time for Danny Ainge to almost do things. And yeah, that that's sure. It's I'm not going to say it's not legitimate. Sure, Danny Ainge almost does a lot of things. But I will say, for proper context, a lot of GMs, a lot of people in his with his job 
almost do a lot of things. They talk about doing a lot of things. That's the job. There are a lot of trade discussions. I'm sure the Celtics went down the road at least beyond the, hey, do you want this? No, okay, bye. I'm sure the Celtics went down the road with a lot of teams. And so those other teams can say they almost did something. Is it frustrating for some Celtics fans to hear? Sure. Because a lot of times he says these things and you get excited. But these things are part of the overall business of the NBA. And if he didn't have, I mean, I I suppose the question is, do do you just not want to hear it? Do you just not want to hear Danny Ainge say this? Because, I mean, he's responding to questions. And sure, there are some things that maybe you say, well, you you could have done that. Why didn't you do more? Why not? And, you know, he's not giving us a straight answer. And maybe at some point we can figure out a way to get an answer somehow. And I don't know. But right now he's not giving us a straight answer. Maybe someday when he's retired, he'll, he'll open up. But this is, he, he is going to almost do a lot of things. And then he actually did do one thing, trade the 30th pick to the Memphis Grizzlies and they get Desmond Bain. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know what else Danny Ainge is supposed to do in this situation. Things didn't materialize. And then tomorrow, or actually later today, we're going to figure out what, what does or does not materialize with Gordon Hayward. Where do we stand on that? Do one of these guys go with Gordon Hayward somewhere? Is this part of something bigger? Is it not? I just... It's not a matter of defending Danny Ainge or not defending Danny Ainge. Because a lot of the people who are, are trashing Danny Ainge for something like this, they don't know what he's they don't know what he was doing. And that's a, that applies to people trashing any GM generally in a situation like you don't know what he was dealing with. You don't know who who he's on the phone with. And so I think a lot of this stems from yeah, you heard the rumors. Danny Ainge is looking to trade into the top three. Danny Ainge is, you know, looking to Maybe trade here. Danny Ainge is looking to see what his picks are worth. Danny Ainge is blah, 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 blah. Rumor, 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 rumor. And that sets an expectation. Wow. All of these rumors, something must be happening. And then people like me, doing a podcast every day, Monday through Friday, start trying to read the tea leaves. Sure sounds like something must be happening. People on the radio, people on TV, people on other podcasts. (laughs) Danny's got to be up to something because look at all these moving parts. And so we build up. It's all part of the same machine. We build up the anticipation. And then Danny Ainge goes into draft night and he talks to another GM and they get halfway down the road and then the other team says, nah, I don't think so. Or they ask for something from Boston and he goes, well, no, I'm not going to go that far. And so it all falls apart. Whose fault is that? Should Danny do deals that he doesn't feel comfortable doing? I'm sure there are deals that he probably could have gotten done that maybe would have worked out. 
And there are some deals that he could have gotten done that wouldn't have worked out. You know, I mean, the the Justice Winslow pursuit is is c- very clearly one of those examples. Like, imagine Danny Ainge actually accomplishing that and giving up all of those picks for Justice Winslow. And now what would the perception be? Danny Ainge just throws picks around. You know, like, if... If certain things had worked out, the perception would be different. I just think the expectation, setting the expectation is is part of the backlash against Danny Ainge. And yeah, sure. He, could he have packaged those three picks and moved up to get somebody else? You know, would Atlanta have have taken those picks in some sort of deal when when uh, Anyaka Kongu was available? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who who pulled out of what if those discussions were even had? You know, w- was there something that they could have done with the New York Knicks to get Obi Toppin or to pick Devin Vassell at that point or to get Tyrese Halliburton? You, could, could they have made a deal with Phoenix or San Antonio? I don't, I don't know the answer to that because we're not in that draft room. So I just think this is all a lesson in expectations versus reality. And which is why... Whenever I've been, you know, hiring somebody, whether it's for was when I was in television or when I was running redsarmy.com, the only thing I would ever ask somebody is, what can you give me? When I was hiring writers for redsarmy.com, say, okay, you want to write for the site? What can you give me? Tell me what you can give me. Don't overpromise. Give it to me straight. Because if you overpromise and you don't come in, then I'll be disappointed. If you tell me I could do four days a week, write something every day, and then you give me two things a week, I'd be like, well, where where the hell's the rest of my stuff? But if you told me from the beginning you could do two things a week, and every once in a while you do three or four things, I'd be like, wow, this is great. It's still the exact same amount of work. But at the beginning of it, you set the expectation. That's, That's what this is all about. You know, if I'm dating somebody... And I say, yeah, I'm pretty busy. You know, we could probably go out like two times a week right now. And that's just, that's part of, that's it. And we go out two times a week and then, okay, this is what I expected. I expected this. I have accepted these terms. But if I say, yeah, we're going to see each other like four or five times a week. And then we only see each other twice a week. Be like, well, wait a minute. I thought we we're going to see each other five times a week. It's setting the expectation and then delivering against that expectation. If I told you that this guy is going to be a 35% three-point shooter and he shoots 32%, you'd be like, what the hell, man? But if I told you he sucks at shooting and he shoots 32%, you'd be like, hey, there's some promise there. I think it all falls under the same umbrella. So time after time after time, we get all hyped up about Danny Ainge And time after time after time, this happens. So whose fault is it when this happens time after time after time, when we sit here and go like, oh, come on, what the hell, man? Is it his fault for doing the exact same thing every single time? Or is it our fault, your fault, my fault for expecting something different? So that's where I'm going to leave it. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. 
you'll hear directly from Danny Ainge. You'll hear directly from Brad Stevens when we return on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. After the draft, we heard from Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge. I'm going to now play for you all of what they said. I am not editing out anything that they said. I am only going to edit down some of the questions and some of the pauses in between just for timing purposes to make it kind of just flow better. But just so you know that the the questions and the flow will be edited, but not anything that Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens said. So here it is, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, starting with Danny Ainge. Hey, Danny, <clears throat> you said coming into this draft that uh, it, it probably wasn't going to be ideal to add three rookies. You added two. Um can you walk us through what you were trying to do and, and how you landed on these guys? Uh, we were just trying to take the best players available, and we felt like we got two really good players, great people, mature kids. And uh, <clears throat> Aaron is a terrific shooter and great size and felt like he was the best guy that we, we could get right there. And um, Peyton is a fun player and four-year college player, can step right in and, and play in the NBA, in my opinion. And uh, another terrific shooter, ball handler. And uh, it's, a, it's a fun group. But, yeah, we we really uh, didn't, didn't want to add four rookies with our four draft picks. Um, I think two is about the right number. Ryan, Rob? Hey, Danny. Um, I don't think there were any uh, trades at all for the first 15 picks of this draft. Um, can you just compare what the trade market was like compared to just past drafts in general and um, how that kind of went over the course of the night for you guys? Um, you know, there was a, there was a lot of trade discussion before the draft. So I think we anticipated there to be more during the draft, but there, there was, there was a lot of discussion, but, but not anything that was really tempting for us um, in the first part of the draft. Um it was not as eventful as we thought, but we did have some discussions about moving up and then and then about moving back. But as we were watching the draft unfold and we saw that, you know, one of the guys that we had identified as a, a player that was a player we liked and wanted, we just hung in there and, and we're fortunate we got our guy. Jared Weiss. You have a long track record of drafting players that weren't knocked down deep shooters in college and Develop, developing them into much better shooters. So what does it feel like to draft somebody who shot over 50% from deep in college? Well, I mean, listen, shooting is big. As, as we saw in the playoffs this year and throughout the season, uh, you know, you got to be able to make shots. And, yeah, our guys have become better shooters as they get into the NBA, and that's generally a rule. It doesn't always work out that way. But, uh, yeah, we, we got two good shooters that we, that we added, and that's a great feeling. Tom Westerholm. Hey, Danny. Uh, Peyton mentioned that he was uh, kind of surprised that he hadn't necessarily had a ton of contacts with you guys before the draft. So it was just um, what what did you know about him kind of going in and what made you confident about that pick specifically? Well, uh, I've watched a lot of Peyton over the years. Um, maybe it's the Oregon ties. I just found myself out on the West Coast in the Pac-12 tournament the last few years and, and other times out in Eugene. Um, but Peyton is just a guy that uh, – I've been attracted to the way he plays 
he brings a great intensity, uh, even as a freshman, and watching his development into his senior year where he had to carry much more of an offensive load. Um, but he's a guy, I think, that can play in any system. He can play with any players. I love how he pushes pace. Um, he'll make the other guys run. He's playing with the ball in his hands. He gets the ball up the court very quickly. And and I think that'll be a help to get the rest of the players up the court very quickly. Uh, he has that kind of leadership ability with the ball in his hand. He's a, he's a fun player and I'm very excited to get him. But yeah, we didn't have a lot of contact with anybody. Um, as you know, we have four draft picks, but we could only see four or 10 workouts. And so we, we spent those on guys that we, we hadn't seen as much of throughout their college careers. And so we did see Aaron, uh, but we did not see Peyton. All right, we'll go back to Gary Washburn. Hey, Danny, um, do you feel like you got kind of what you needed and accomplished what you wanted tonight, even though in, in such a kind of an unpredictable draft, I mean, were you caught off guard by some of the early picks and how did that change your kind of approach when you're seeing, let's say, Williams go four, Okoro go five, and it, it just seemed like some guys were going in places they weren't projected. Um, nice suit you have on there, Gary, by the way. Um, I think those really weren't that much of a surprise. I think that, um, you know, there was there's groupings and different tiers is the way I look at the draft and instead of just, you know, number by number. But um, I, I'm not re- I wasn't really surprised caught off guard too much by the the order of the draft. And uh, I don't really pay that much attention to the mock drafts. Um, so that, there really wasn't that many. Amanda Flugrad. Hey, Danny, like the Oregon shout out there. Uh, we touched on this a little bit earlier today, but with the young rookies coming in, they're not going to get the opportunity to go through summer league and kind of have to hit the ground running straight into training camp. How do you help prepare them for that? And, and what do you anticipate that to look like? You know, we have to fast track it, obviously, uh, with no summer league and no, I mean, not just summer league, but usually we have part of August and, and all of September to prepare them for our system, our defensive schemes. Uh, so it's just, it's a different world that we're in right now. And it's a, it's a different time for the NBA. And every team is in the same boat. So we just have to be better than others at getting our young players ready to play. Adam Himmelsbach. Uh, Danny, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Is it Yam or Yam? Can you kind of talk us Yam about Nadar? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, a player that we've watched over there, over in Israel play quite a bit. Um, and we'll just see how it works out. Like, I don't I don't really know. Uh, the plan will probably be to keep him overseas for at least another year and, and evaluate from there. But we're anxious to watch his growth and development as a player. And then what went into um, kind of the, the agreement with Gordon to push back his deadline to Thursday and, and just kind of where do you feel like um, things are with that? Yeah, I, I don't know about that. You know, we'll, we'll start working on free agency and uh, all that tomorrow. But tonight we're just here with the draft, first phase. Big free agency time, though. There's a lot. There's a lot to to get done still, and in a very short period of time, and we have a lot to prepare for in free agency. Keith Smith. Hey, Danny. With the the trade of thirty to Memphis, was the the goal there to add some future draft assets? Considering for the first time in what feels like a decade, you only have your own. You only had your own first round picks moving forward. 
oh, that didn't really have much much to do with that. It was more, you know, like I said from the beginning, we didn't really want to bring more than two rookies in this year. Um, and we got we got two guys that we're very happy about with the first two picks. So um, I think that, you know, that I, I can't really discuss much of about any trades just because they're not completed. There's been discussions of trades, but uh, nothing's been finalized. And we'll see how that all goes over the next few days. Bob Tron. Hey, Danny, how are you? Good, Bobby. How are you doing? Uh, good. Glad to see you. Danny, uh, uh, Gary already asked you, but I did want to follow up on it about the the, the, the order of the draft. Um, as, as it progressed toward your choice, did you maybe think about making a move? Did anyone slide that you might have had a second or third thought about making less than a phone calls? We were happy with where we were. I mean, um, you know, there was our, our guy was there at 14 and we were worried about that, that he might not be there at 14. Uh, there were some guys obviously early in the draft that, you know, uh, I was, I would have loved to have, have seen slide, but um, we're very excited about Aaron. I mean, we need shooting and, um, He's a, he's a long wing shooter that uh, can stretch the floor. And, and like someone said already, he can shoot right now. We don't have to teach him to shoot. He can come in the gym and, and I'll shoot most of our guys right this second. I'm, I'm guessing Jason Tatum will, will have a little dispute with that. But um, I think that he's a guy that we had our eyes on and, and projected that he would be available at 14, although we knew it would be tight. Final two questions for Danny, Brian, Rob. Uh, hey, Danny, heading into free agency, does anything, how things went tonight, impact what you guys want to do heading into the next few days, um, and just in terms of um, the team roster? Um, I, I don't know, but I mean, it's, you know, now it's phase two, so we'll we'll fill in the rest of the roster and try to get some veteran players. Final question, Gary Washburn. Hey, Danny, um, any update on Romeo, how much he'll miss and uh, was kind of undetermined how much he'll miss before the season was kind of determined. How much do you think he'll miss now? And are you concerned that your younger guys, your Roberts, your Carsons, will not have a lot of time to improve because there's really no off season and they're just trying to get some rest after last season? You know, Gary, those are things that you really can't worry about. I mean, we're just, in, like I said, we're in the same boat as everybody. It's a difficult time uh, for every for the whole world. And uh, the NBA is no different. And we're just working through these difficult situations as the best we can. And uh, with Romy, I'm not sure. He's been in the gym working every day. He's working very hard. Um, he still has a cast on. So uh, that tells you he's not ready. He's not going to be ready when we start training camp. But I don't have a time frame for him yet. All right. We'll wrap it up right there. Thanks, Danny. Questions for Coach Stevens. Start with John Corrales. Hey, Coach, uh, it looks like with the two picks here, shooting was the priority here. Uh, can you just speak to that a little bit, please? And uh, was was what happened in the playoffs and what you faced against the zone a factor in all of that? Um, I th not really. I mean, I think you're always looking for shooting. You're always looking for guys that can put the ball in the basket. We, we were um, evaluating several guys um, across the draft with different strengths that brought different things to the table. when. 14 came up, um, you know, fest, felt best about Aaron and Aaron, um, you know, before he broke his foot this year, had a great year, uh, early part of the season, the way that he was 
he can run off screens and shoot the ball, the worker, the worker that he is. Um, the amount of time he puts in his game is size, which gives him some positional versatility. And as he becomes more comfortable in how we defend, we'll, um, you know, hopefully allow him to guard a couple of positions. And so, you know, those are uh, all positives, but the shooting is his thing. And, uh, and then Peyton is obviously a, a knockdown shooter as well that can do a lot of things with the basketball. So shooting is certainly important. It certainly is a um, high priority. But I wouldn't say that, you know, everybody that we were high on um, in this draft would be considered a great shooter. So we were more looking for what we thought were the best fits at the time. And we feel very, very good about the two picks in the first round and look forward to uh, getting those guys here um, because they don't get the, the, uh, the, the benefit of a summer league and some, you know, nice preseason two on two workouts before the season usually kicks off to get themselves ready. It's going to be, um, full steam ahead here soon. Yeah. And speaking of, of that, do you think picking um, Neesmith at 14 helps in that regard? Do you think he's a, a guy that can kind of like step right in uh, because of that skill, that shooting skill and contribute while he's learning some of the other things? Yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, you're certainly hopeful that guys will be able to do that sooner rather than later. I don't, I don't think it's fair to put on any of these guys to expect them to be playing in a high level NBA game on December 22nd, which is, you know, what, 35 days from now. However, um, that will be what we all push for. That will be what we all work hard for over the next however many weeks to get ready when we're allowed to be in the gym. There's a lot of restrictions in place once we get back um, to uh, doing what we can in the next couple of weeks. But after that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll try to expedite the, the curve as much as possible. But when you can put the ball in the basket, um, that certainly is a benefit. But as you know, John, we've got good older players and good younger players. Um, that are going to fight for those minutes, and we'll see how that all pans out. Um, there, there does seem to be a bit of uncertainty here. Um, you've already made one trade, and there are a ton of rumors here surrounding Gordon. Um, what does what does that all mean for you guys? I mean, what what what's that situation? I think you always, you know, I can't talk on the specific, you know, trade, um, uh, the announced trade just now, and um, certainly wouldn't ever speculate on anybody that has an option um, that uh, gets to make that decision. And certainly, um, you know, we'll see with with the, the player options and the team options and then free agency after that. Um, we'll see how the team fills itself out. But, um, our, you know, what we, what we wanted to do tonight was, um, you know, again, pick guys that we thought could come in and um, really compete. Um, you know, for time, but also compete to help us and add value to winning sooner rather than later. And uh, I think we've got two guys that are gym rats, two guys that want to be really good, two guys that put the ball in the basket. And, um, you know, we'll be excited to get here and work. Everything else, we'll see how it all plays itself out. Um, you know, I think that that's the, that's the, uh, the beauty of the whole system is, you know, if a player has an option, it's their option. It's their choice. They get to do what they want. 
team has an option, same thing. Unrestricted free agents get to choose what they want. So we'll see uh, how it all plays itself out. Last couple of questions, Adam Himmelsbach. Brett, do you, have you had conversations at all with Gordon? Obviously, you guys have a really extensive relationship and everything, but this is an unusual situation, unusual week, or do you just kind of let him be and, and when the time comes, it comes? I've always, I've always said, I'm, you know, I've, I've talked to those guys all year long, and so those conversations aren't unique. Um, and I say those guys even going back years. And then as they get closer to these um, deadlines and these big decisions and everything else, I say, if you need me, let me know. I mean, um, you know, he knows um, us, he knows me, he knows um, this whole situation. And he, you know, he, he weighs that against his other options. That's part of a player option. Um, so that's not too dissimilar than anything we've been through in the past. And um, so we'll see again how it plays out. But those conversations are, you know, you 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 spend so much time together that I think it's, a, it's appropriate from my point of view um, to make yourself available if need be. Final question for Coach Tim Bontemps. Brad, obviously the next few weeks are going to be pretty crazy. Uh, just shortened off season, then training camp, and then uh, going right into preseason, right into the regular season. Uh, I know it's a unique situation for everybody, but how how are you going to try to approach all of that in terms of trying to you know create some kind of a timeline to make all this work? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a big challenge, Tim. And obviously everybody's in a different boat. I mean, there's teams that haven't played in nine months. There's teams that you know, like us, they got done less than two months ago. Um, obviously, the Lakers and Miami went longer than us, so they have even shorter break. So. Um, it is going to be a challenge. Um, some of the rules and regulations that are going to be in place to start getting back together from a mandatory basis at the start of December and then when you can officially start five-on-five five practice, all that stuff is going to make a pretty short uh, period of time before you're actually playing meaningful games and and more meaningful when you consider the fact that there's 10 less. So, um you know, one of the things that's that's usually good is after the draft or after free agency, you have a couple of months to plot and plan how you want to play to maximize the strengths of that particular team. You don't get that benefit now. So it's, uh, you know, it was big staff meeting to kind of choose, um, choose a couple of things that we think are really important. Uh, you know, after the, tonight, the next couple of days, and then we'll probably meet all next week and and cram cram in, um, you know, what we would typically would do in a month to get ready for a new team and a new season um, starting in that, you know, December 1st time frame. You mentioned that short turnaround. Um, Danny was saying the other way that, that the other day that Kemba's uh, working on his knee and, you know, he's doing stuff now. Do you have any sense of – um, whether he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season and is there going to be sort of a similar plan to what you guys did in the bubble in terms of kind of easing him back in regardless uh, coming off of that knee injury and with the short time frame you guys are on? Yeah, we'll talk about everybody as we get closer to that time. Kimba is um, doing well. He, he feels good. He's been um, He's been lifting and working out. And so – We'll talk about all that stuff as we get sooner. I don't want to speculate on that. All right, we'll wrap it up right there. That's what the coach and the president of the team had to say. So, president of basketball operations. Um, 
take it for what it's worth. Make your own mind up. That is purely for context and so you can hear directly from them so you understand what they're saying, how they're saying it, and you can form your own opinions about you know what what they said and your you know what your reactions are going to be. I like to do that as often as I can. It's not always possible, but I like to do it when I can. So if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, this is going to be uh, Monday through Friday for the very foreseeable future because we're getting right into the thick of things and training camp opens pretty damn soon. So uh, maybe I'll try to take a day off here and there. I don't know, but it's going to be a Monday through Friday podcast for a very long time because the season is right here. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. follow on Spotify, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. And of course, regular listeners, thank you very much. I love you. Thank you for the five-star ratings. Thank you for the good written reviews. Now share the podcast. Tell your friends that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.